Have you ever been stubborn in leading others? Have you ever been stubborn at home? I know I've been stubborn many times in both situations, and so this week's topic is why we are stubborn and how to fix it. You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode number 71. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Greetings from Ladera Ranch, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly show for leaders who want to improve themselves to better engage and develop others. This week's topic is why we are stubborn and how to fix it. And I have here today our uh, my favorite guest, best friend, Bonnie Stahoviak, who is back with us again for your first episode of the year. Welcome back to Coaching for Leaders. Thanks for having me back. I am thrilled to be here for this topic. Thrilled. I think the last time I was here or a recent time I was here, the subject was how to be more concise. And the entire time I felt myself holding back laughter because Uh, I thought, oh, the hypocrisy of me being on a show about conciseness. And this topic, being stubborn, I feel like I have some things to offer. I feel like I have a lot to offer as well, too. I've got gifts. Mm -hmm. Although I will say our concise episode was one of our shortest episodes we've ever had. I well, I worked at it, and we. In fact, I think I, I actually think we had to stop recording because I made you laugh because you'd say something, and I'd go, <laughs> "Nope." <laughs> we did. Yep. So on this one, I have a few stories to share, and I know you do too about do. times do. that we have been stubborn, and you know oh, some reasons why people are stubborn, and then some ways where we all can take these approaches and actually put them into action. For better or worse, no shortage of stories that I can think of of times I've been stubborn, certainly a lot in my personal life, and you've experienced many of them, and also stories in my professional life. And so what we're going to do today is look at why we're stubborn and hit on a few of those points, and then more importantly, how to fix it. Because we have to be able to have some avenue of, okay, if we recognize we're stubborn about something, what are we going to do about it? And so I've been thinking about this a lot recently, Bonnie, because I've definitely caught myself being stubborn in the last year, and I've had some different leadership opportunities come up in the last year. And one of them that's happened to me, um, many of you who listen to the show know I do a lot of work with the Dale Carnegie organization locally here in Southern California. I work out of our office in Southern Los Angeles. And one of the things that I've been privileged to do over the years is to um, really be a point person for one of the classes that we've offered locally. And we've done a lot of work with the aerospace industry here in Southern California. And so I've become kind of a point person for one of the classes on presentation and communication skills. And we ran into this issue about two years ago where we came to the conclusion after doing a little bit of strategic planning and accounting that we were actually losing money every time we ran the class. And it was this interesting place to be because it was a really valuable class. We got great feedback, probably better feedback in this class than any other class, but we were losing money each time. And so we had to make a decision on how we were going to tweak a little bit of the, um, of the class and adjust things and, and, and change some things. And one of the suggestions was to take this class that was normally done with two instructors and move it down to just working with one instructor. And it had always been the model that we'd use two instructors for this class. And so I was really against this because I had in my mind that we had to have two instructors, that that was the only way it was going to work, that uh, participants in the classroom only got value if they got perspective from two different people in the classroom. 
And I really fought <laughs> this uh this suggestion that we should go down to one instructor. There were other options that were on the table too. And anyway, long story short, um, went back and forth with people about two months on it. And finally, the um, the president of our local office, Aaron, who's been a guest on this show before, uh, came to me and he said, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not telling you have to do anything, but here's something you may want to consider is the We've tested this as a pilot just with one instructor and another with another client. It's worked out really well. We've gotten great feedback. And I think it may work. Would you be willing to try it out once? And so, you know, what do you say when someone in a leadership role comes to you and says, you know, would you be willing just to try something once? I, I was like, all right, I'll try it one time. And so we tried it that one time. Guess what? Worked out fantastic. In fact, it turns out that running the class with one instructor not only um, helps the class be profitable, but actually makes the class more efficient. We got as good feedback, if not better feedback than we'd ever gotten before. And there was only one person in the entire two years we've done it since then that even noticed the difference, hmm. that there was uh, one less instructor and that person still had a great experience in the class because they had heard about it from someone previously. And so I think back to that and like how much I fought it because I was convinced that I was right, that I knew more about it than anyone else. And I, I mentioned this story, Bonnie, because I think one of the things that I got, I, I fell into in this situation, I see this happen with clients a lot too, is I felt like I was the expert, like I knew more about this than anyone else. And because I had done it so much that because I had a lot of experience in this particular area, um, my, my opinion was, uh, for lack of a better term, untouchable that I wasn't willing to listen to reason or listen to new ideas and something. And the irony now is I'm become the person that's starting to uh, convince other people in our organization that we need to go, <laughs> that we need to make this change with classes. So it's, uh, it's interesting sometimes if we are willing to look and not be stubborn, we can really make things happen a lot faster. So the first really aspect of how we can turn out to be so stubborn is that it doesn't occur to us that we might be wrong. Yeah. And that sounds like it was happening to you in that situation as well. And I think the next one is really closely related to that too. We can also decide that we know enough. So here you are, this expert in your field, person who's ran this class so many times with great results, mm -hmm. we might add. So oh, it's kind sure. of your success contributing to your stubbornness as well. Absolutely. And so you had kind of decided, ah, I've got, I've got this going on. Yeah. I've, I've learned enough. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. It didn't occur to me that the other, that the other people with other opinions might be right. I thought it was it was a matter of how wrong they were. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wasn't sure if they were a little bit wrong or really wrong, <laughs> but it didn't never occurred to me that they might actually be right or that, uh, you know, I didn't know everything there was to know about this. Another aspect of why we can be so stubborn is that we're not really doing a good job of picking our battles well and losing some perspective there, too. And I think that's a really important thing for all of us to think of as leaders is when we have a strong opinion about something and I'm really passionate about the work I do. I'm passionate about, I know you are too as, as well, Bonnie. And, and a lot of times I get really caught up in things. And I have to remember that a lot of times it's just not that important to be right or to have my opinion front and center. And I see a lot of um, people make this mistake too, whereas it's, it's, it's everything has to be a big battle. And most of the time, it really doesn't. There are some things that are really worth fighting, but those things should be really few and far between. When I, in the past, have worked in really toxic environments, one of the things that 
really contributed to my stubbornness was that whole idea of kind of, you know, it, it felt like everything did have to become a battle because if, Mm. if you were going to go, it it was because it's such a low trust environment. I think, you know, if you were going to go on anything, try to make a change or an improvement, then there was going to be all this sort of potential for people to wrap around it being about you instead of about the idea, you know, which it was easy for all of us to have that happen as well. So I think that, that, that can, that being in that kind of a culture can kind of impact then how you start to prioritize or lack thereof of which ones are really important. And one of the things that I found helpful, and I know we're not supposed to talk about how to help yet about being stubborn was <laughs> no, <it's okay. laughs> the whole thing about, about, well, does it tie to the mission of the institution, the whole reason we're here in the first place, and uh, then my personal sense of vocation too. So we can, but that can certainly get easy to get out of bounds because it does become more, I'm, I'm right on this. And then you're in this culture where everybody is so worried about being right as opposed to that, that whole idea of the mission. There are certainly plenty of other reasons why we can be stubborn. But one other one that Dave and I thought of is this whole idea of being so concrete that there are just, you know, two ways to look at this, Mm. you know, it's gotta be a or B. We miss that sort of nuance, the gray areas in life that really exist a lot more than I know if if I think back to, I was reading a great blog the other day about, you know, what would you tell your 20 year old self? And this was a woman who was writing more on the personal front of things. What would she tell her personal on the personal side of her life, Hmm. her 20 year old self. And there was some colorful language in that blog. (laughs) She's kind of looking back at herself thinking, what were you thinking? But you know, as I, you know, think about looking back at my 22 year old self going into the professional world, I, that'd be one of the things I'd write to my professional self back then of gosh, there really is, you know, the world people are way more complex than mm. you think they are right now. Yeah. And that is something that I see a lot because I work with a lot of people with technical expertise who in some cases are subject matter experts in their field, been highly, highly trained, um, multiple graduate degrees in some cases. And they've been trained to look at the world as kind of that black and white, you know, right or wrong and very looking at things very technically. And the challenge is, is that people aren't black and white to mm-hmm. boil it down to a you know very simplistic term is there is a lot of these gray zones. And you and I were talking about how much the gray zones is so important in leading people and influencing people and really being able to stop and listen and appreciate that. And boy, if I was going to go back and give myself career advice from at 21, 22 years of age, I would, I would actually give myself the exact same advice, Bonnie, same thing. Cause I constantly looked at things through a black and white lens, a yes or no, when I was dealing with customers earlier in my career. And I made some really bad mistakes, some things I am ashamed of now. When I think of, I would fight with customers on issues that were just non-issues but it was like it was in the contract or the agreement or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I it was very black and white. I know how I handled situations. And I'm thankful I've gotten better at that over the years, much, much better uh, and come 180 degrees. But it's it I see that happen a lot. And I see a lot of people kind of get into that framework of it. I have to have it this way. This is the right way. This is what it says, whatever. And don't really take the time to listen genuinely to people. 
So we have some ideas now about if those are some of the reasons that I'm sure we've only skimmed the surface there, some of the reasons yeah. why we can get stubborn. And even though Dave and I have been talking about advice to ourselves in our earlier careers, we are certainly still both quite capable of being stubborn in our personal and professional lives today. So we just have a couple of things that have helped us kind of negate that quality about ourselves that can rear its head sometimes. And I wish I could tell you that I rarely catch myself being stubborn, but the reality is, is I catch myself doing it just about every week. I can think back a couple times this week on something, things that I've been stubborn on in leading people and working with people, uh, even working with clients. And so the first and foremost recommendation that we'd have is to examine how you react when people bring you new ideas or suggestions or new ways to do things that you haven't considered before. And to really think through how you react to that. And that might be a process of doing some self-reflection. That might be a process of going and asking people for some feedback. Might even be uh, a 360 process if you really wanted to get formal about it. Um, but Bonnie, one of the things that I've done uh, over the uh, over the last year or so is really examine this and and look at what I tended to do. And I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, yes. but one of the things that I tend to do is whenever someone brings me a, a new idea, I don't know where this came from over the years or it's just my personality, but my default setting is to right away explain to the person why it's not going to work. That's the first thing that comes into my mind whenever someone suggests something that's different than how I've always done it or I've seen an organization do it or I've worked with clients. And so I've I've really had to examine that and just to recognize that pattern. And once I recognized that pattern, I was able to identify it a lot more. So another thing, of course, then is deciding what shift that you need to make. So for me, it was when I would have someone bring when someone would come to me with a new idea or if I was leading our team and trying to figure out a new or different way to do something or someone came with a suggestion is the shift that I needed to make is just to be quiet, is to listen and to ask questions and to find out about the ideas that people were suggesting because that's something that I was missing because I'd step in too quickly and um, start to uh, you know, respond and think of, you know, here's the reasons this may not work or you know, for lack of a better term, playing devil's advocate, which I know neither of us like that term very much, but that's what I would do a lot. One of the other ways that we can help ourselves be less stubborn is to find a way to hold ourselves accountable. As I think mm. and hear you talk about the first two, Dave, those are not ones that I am as challenged with. So I think about people coming with new ideas and I'm kind of ready to Oh, let's try it out. I love the creativity that comes from that. And you the, are. So I don't, yeah. it doesn't tend to be something I struggle with, but certainly on the stubbornness, I struggle with it. And so kind of this idea of recognizing what your own patterns may be and recognizing what a more healthy way, a better way to tap into the potential that other people have, and then kind of setting those ground rules and building a culture that will reinforce the kind of person you want to be and the kind of team you want to lead and the kind of environment, the climate really, that's going to bring out the best in, in everyone. And this actually brings a whole nother suggestion that we don't even have on our list, but is to surround yourself with people who are better than this than you are. And I've been so blessed in my life that um, since I've known you and, and, and through our marriage, I've become so much less stubborn in my ways because you're so good at that. You're so good at just 
taking in ideas and being collaborative. That's one of the things I'm working on this year is being a lot more collaborative with people. You just have that setting to really have a lot more trust with people when they bring new ideas right away. And I think that that's something that's really helpful is to find someone who's really good at that in your personal life or your professional life and have them be good teachers for you because they'll help you to actually create more trust and be able to step aside from that stubbornness. It's interesting. I don't, I don't necessarily know that I always was that way. Although I think about the, cause I've always been in the learning education field mm-hmm. that I just love that idea of, you know, ways of changing things up. I will say if I had been in your shoes and someone had suggested one instructor instead of two for cost reasons, I probably would have been right there with you with the stubborn yeah, factor, yeah. just cause logically you think that's going to make quality suffer. And it's so neat that it didn't and that you had a leader who could yeah. inspire you to try something different. But that, that would have been one where I would have gone, hang on a second. Well, and just to be clear, as far as the, the idea and the theory behind learning and growing and getting new ideas, I'm all for the theory behind that. It's just I don't want to actually do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I don't want to be the yeah. one that has to change. But one of the things I think about myself that has really dramatically made me perhaps even more so was having a child. Mm. having a baby. And I don't think it brings that out in everyone. You know, there are some people who, you know, we've, we've talked some with the people that take care of our little guy about other people and kind of their parenting styles. And, you know, there's some people who have much more of an idea about wanting to watch the person who's caring for their child and some issues of kind of webcams and, you know, nanny cams, they call them or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. It would not be something we would really be comfortable with, you know, in, in terms of how, we would kind of want to handle our own little workplace, you know, here at home for people. But I think, you know, I just have always kind of thought, you know, there is no closed market on what's going to work for a child. You know, speaking of stubbornness, we certainly have a little one who's very keen on what he wants. (laughs) Very keen. And it's exciting because one of the important, you know, human development qualities is to be able to identify one's needs. That's a, such a healthy thing as frustrating as it may get, as I'm trying to get him to eat his avocado earlier today, it is a healthy thing for a human being to develop such that they can identify their needs and express them and eventually find ways to get those needs met, hmm. you know? And, and so that's, I mean, all it's funny, can both frustrating, but you go, wow, the fact that he does, that means he's developing, he's growing, he's learning. But I think as people, you know, come and interact, some people kind of, you know, real stubborn. I've got the way to parent. I've got the way this system's supposed to work. This is how, you know, and it's kind of like around him as he's grown and changed so much, you know, what worked yesterday may not work today. And someone else coming in with an outside perspective may have a whole new idea that works so much better than anything we've tried. So I kind of like that. I think we both have been pretty embracing of other people's ideas as they, you know, it's fun that we've hired people who have such a genuine curiosity about him too and yeah. love watching him learn and are interested in, you know, what that development looks like. So I was just thinking about, you know, in recent past few days of he just gets so mad if he won't, if you try to let him get his food, he wants to swat the spoon away, you know, he's going to swat that away. And one of the things I discovered is it's not just because he wants to swat it away, but he wants to be able to hold that darn spoon. Well, you know what? He's going to have to hold a spoon and learn how to feed himself. And so it's going to be messy. <laughs> it's definitely going to be a messier process. There's going to be a lot more avocado on the floor. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think that he'll learn faster that way if he gets a, you know appropriate to his age and his development, you know, some of the autonomy. So yeah. it's kind of fun what our children can teach us as well about being less stubborn. And of course, leading people in the workplace is different than 
than leading a child and parenting a child, but there are some similarities. And certainly, you know, one of the things to remember, and I love the example you brought of, you know, different people have different ideas. And I know that as I've become le- more willing to listen to ideas, more willing to lead people with different ideas and hear them out and try new stuff, I become so much more effective as a leader. And one of the big obstacles for a lot of people is that they're very, very fearful that they will lose control or lose power if they take other people's ideas or if someone knows more than they do, that they will um, lose their authority or their leader, whatever uh, ego that's in the process of being a leader. And that is a really dangerous place to be if you believe that you have all the answers. And in the perfect world, we would have people on our teams that we're leading who know more about all the things that we're doing as an organization than, than we do. And that's the best place to be. But it's, it's not always easy. As soon as you told me that this was going to be the topic for the week, the first thing I thought about was kind of our last piece of advice around how to be less stubborn. And that Mm. is to find a shared truth. Yeah. Tell me more about that. A less mature way of looking at right and wrong. What is truth is to decide that there's right and wrong. And so there's what I think, which is of course, right. Right. And then there's what you think, which is of course wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And so we can then kind of progress along the maturity and say, well, there's what I think is right or true. And then there's what you think is right or true. And so we can spend our time negotiating around this right or wrong, me or you. And there's some wonderful writing out there about negotiation. So the Harvard Negotiation Project is the longest going and most well-respected negotiation study in the history. At least I know in our country, I don't know if it's worldwide, if it would get those accolades, but I mean, it's wonderful. And so it's, there's a couple books they wrote, the, Getting to yes is one of them, and you're going to quickly because the other one has the word no in the title. Getting to yes and getting past no and yeah. getting to yes, yes, and then is that related to difficult conversations too, or is that a different product? Because difficult conversations was out of Harvard too, I think. Right? Am I remembering that right? Maybe you can look it up while I'm yeah, while I'm telling my story really quick. So we've got those great resources that tell the stories around you know people fighting over the orange, for example. You know, I want the orange because. It's mine. It's a, we're back to getting our most childlike qualities here. It's mine. So I want the orange and you want the orange and we fight over the orange or the lemon. And then it turns out that all I really wanted was the lemon peel or the lemon zest so that I could use it. And what you really wanted was the seed to plant a tree. And we can even get a third person involved who wanted the juice to do, you know, so it's, it's, if we, if we focus on our positions, they talk about in their, their model, our positions, we're just going to get stuck. But if we think about our interests, why do I have this sense of truth? This is why I think it's right. Why? And then you go to your interests. Well, what is it that you want? And then we can come up with, instead of that sort of halfway negotiation point, you know, in between my right and your right is a halfway point. That's not probably a very beautiful place. (laughs) And so Stephen Covey also had an example of the vacation, you know, and you really want to go to Hawaii and I really want to go to New York. And so we wind up somewhere in Texas. Aberdeen, (laughs) South Dakota. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, well, that doesn't really have anything to do with either one of our sense of right. But if we get into, well, what is it that I really wanted to enjoy about the vacation? Well, I wanted to go see a show. I wanted to go to the theater. And what you really wanted was that sense of calm, 
peaceful relaxation that you remember about your trip to Hawaii. And then we wind up somewhere like the Shakespeare Festival in Bend, Oregon, not Bend, Oregon, in Ashland, Oregon. Mm, yeah. I mean, oh, we have to go there someday too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, both that restful, peaceful, but also have a wonderful, vibrant theater community there as well. And so instead of your truth, my truth, and us fighting over that, we can still have in our minds that there is something that is true. And actually what we, we really discover in so much of life, there's no truth. There's just what we can create together, mm -hmm. which is this shared truth that we'll probably never get to the actual truth because we're too darn stubborn. <laughs> we'll never be able to be that, you know, not stubborn, but together we can travel to this new place that is our shared truth that as leaders is a wonderful place to go because what happens is the people that we're leading, instead of you doing it because I told you to, and you're being more compliant, just how engaged are you going to be in problem solving as you hit roadblocks along the way versus how engaged you'll be if we created this idea together, we created this new place that's a shared identity of what met both of our needs and was someplace neither one of us would have ever thought of on our own. Mm, I love it. Yeah. And I was looking up these books as you were speaking and getting to yes is one of them and then getting past no is the other one. So you were you were right. Yeah, amazing. And strangely, <laughs> speaking, <being> right? <laughs> speaking of right, uh, strangely difficult conversations came up as the third or fourth book on that list too, out of Harvard, which is a great book by the oh, way. Oh, so it was out of Harvard. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So if you are, um, well, I'm not sure on the first two, but the I know difficult conversations Harvard. Anyway, it doesn't matter because it's you can just hop on Amazon and find it. There's another book out that I have not read, but kind of goes over this uh, thing too. It's called the Abilene Paradox. And it's a book about a story of a whole group of people who end up somewhere where no one wanted to be, even though everyone decided, said that they wanted to go there or assumed that hmm. they wanted to go there. And so it's it's really speaks to that shared truth. And I, I was thinking back as you were speaking, Bonnie, that I remember my parents went out and bought a car one time when we were kids. And my dad really wanted a red car and my mom really wanted a blue one. And when they came home, they had a white car. Nobody won. <laughs> <laughs> because mm. they ended up having to negotiate on something that neither party really wanted that much. And so uh, it's interesting how we do, you know, if we can really look at things from a shared truth, like you were saying, of finding out what's important to each party, then that really helps us from falling into this trap of being stubborn and helps coach ourselves on it too. And speaking of being stubborn, I would like to stubbornly suggest that instead of just sending them over to Amazon, that you put those in the show notes. I will put those in the show notes. So you can check those out at coachingforleaders.com forward slash 71, and that will get you there. And I'm going to sign off for now, but I know Dave, you have some announcements, but for our listeners, just thanks for checking in and I'm going to pass it back over to Dave. Thanks, Bonnie. Bye. We already mentioned the link of where to go for the show notes. You can also call in feedback anytime to our feedback hotline, 94938LEARN, or you can email me directly at feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Now, before I let you go this week, just a reminder that this episode is not the only thing each week that you can do to stay connected to the Coaching for Leaders community. If you're looking for quotes that will inspire you, articles that will give you more information and dialogue that will empower you to be a more effective leader, and that's helpful to you, 
hop onto either our Facebook site or my Google Plus site, and all of those things will come to you throughout the week. And I want to say a special thank you this week to Francesc Filiberto, Jackie Chavez Gonzalez, a name in Asian characters that I'm sorry I can't I don't even know the language uh, that it is. So if that's your name, email me and I will make sure to say it next week. Uh, John Lee. Hey, John, how you doing? Uh, Muralidar, Petey Pauly, Sunitha Raidi, Trina Roach, and Kristen Oxinger. Thank you so much for liking our page on Facebook this past week. And if you haven't already joined the conversation, you can go to coachingforleaders.com forward slash Facebook, and that will take you there. Just hit like, and you'll start getting updates. Or you can go over to Google+. I'm also posting everything on Google+, even a few extra things as well, too. So if you are part of the Google+, community, go to coachingforleaders.com forward slash Plus, and that will get you onto our Facebook or our uh, Google Plus page, rather, and just go ahead and follow me, and then you'll start getting all the updates as well. Hey, I just wanted to remind you that if you want a midweek booster shot, I send out an email article every week by email. If <laughs> well, how else would an email article come? Uh, the uh, you can do that at coachingforleaders.com forward slash subscribe. And if this show has been helpful to you, if you've been listening for some time and you tune in every week and you're an iTunes user, one way you can be a huge help to me and everyone who's been involved with this show is to go on iTunes and write us a written review. I'd be so grateful for that. It'll help us to grow our community. That's at coachingforleaders.com forward slash iTunes. And a reminder, the link for the show notes is at coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. 71. Hey, have a great week. I look forward to talking with you again next week and look forward to talking with you on Facebook, Google Plus, and email. Have a great week, everyone. Take care.